David, have you ever returned a book to the library overdue? I think so. Yeah. Get hit with those overdue late fees. Sure. Yeah. Um, Not that I remember, but I'm sure it's happened. I know it's. I know my wife's done it. Love you, honey. I once. Um, oh, I think it was second or third grade. I uh, I couldn't find a book that. Uh, I had checked out from the library, the school library. Was it a book you made up by chance? No, this was a real one. Okay. Uh, I did not read it, but it was a real book. <laughs> and um, and there was some uh, crime at the school, like there was some actual theft. And I couldn't find this book, and I knew I had put it on my desk, school desk. And so when the uh, like school administrators came around and said, like, did anyone have anything stolen? I was like, this library book must have been stolen because... Clearly. Because I, I can't find it. It's not there. And I'm not going to be on the hook. No. I'm like eight years old. Of course not. Um, so I said that book was probably stolen, even though nothing else in my desk was stolen. They left my $20 bill, my new uh, Pikachu rare ca- Pokemon yeah. card. The guy was a connoisseur of, uh, of eight-year-old literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, fast forward a few months, we're cleaning out our desk because it's the end of school. I find the book. It was just buried. I had a lot of junk in my desk. Obviously. Um, so I think I'm trying to remember back two options. Either I kept it and never said anything. No. Or I returned it and never said anything. Well, yeah. But I can't remember what it was. Anyways. Do I know which one I think happened? <laughs> uh, no. And so <laughs> I say all that because a, a library in Ontario... Uh, Ontario, Canada, Copper Cliff Library. They received a book in their uh, in their box, their Dropbox, sure, uh, with a note uh, saying, "Librarian, sorry, I'm an outrageously slow reader, but here's the book back." And it's signed Larry. And they looked at the book, and it was checked out uh, 49 years ago. And uh, so the library didn't know who this. I mean, they, they saw that it was uh, Larry, uh, let me find his last name, Larry Corrigan, but they didn't know the story of where it had been for 49 years, right? And uh, so he said uh, Larry had checked out this book, and <laughs> this is depressing, the title of the book, Great Moments in Chess, right? So Larry checked his book out sometime in the uh, 60s, I think, no, it was probably in the 70s, it was checked out 1970. Yeah, August 11th, 1970. And uh, so he checks it out. And then shortly after he checks it out, he moves to Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. From Ontario. I don't know the distance. It's Canada, so everything seems super far. So I'm going to say it was a three days journey. In the snow. Yeah, by sled, dog sled. Yeah, yeah I was thinking dog sled. Uh, so he has a book, and I guess somehow his journeys in life took him back to the Coppercliff Library area. And he had this weighing on his conscience that I have this library book that's 49 years overdue. And so he went, he tried to return it in person, but the library was closed. And so he just put it in the Dropbox. Mm. Uh, anyways, someone tracked him down to get this, this story. Uh, and my, my thing about this, like, cool story, whatever. He, he returned a book that was 49 years overdue. Right. Uh, I'm just a little sad about the book. It was Great Moments in Chess from 1970. This predates, like, all of Bobby Fischer's World Championships. So this guy's for 49 years, has been reading about the greatest moments in chess that aren't even the greatest moments in chess. 
right? So he, it's like reading an encyclopedia uh, pre-America, right? Like it, it's not even, it's not just not relevant. Real history started on July fourth, seventeen seventy-six. That's all. You according need to, know to Ron about. Swanson. Yeah, but like, what a what a book! It's like, what a book to have for forty-nine years. There's some that like you pick up Huckleberry Finn. It's just as good forty-nine years ago as it is today. Okay, but okay, well, yeah, but uh, greatest moments in chess, right? You're missing the last fifty years, which arguably is like at least as an American, like the more dramatic portion of chess history. And I'm a chess history aficionado, David, so I know sure. what I'm talking about here. That would be like, for the sports fans, that would be like having a greatest Patriots mo- uh, greatest moments in Patriots history from 1995. Written in 1995, right? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So if you... So I guess the question is, if you had to read only one book for 49 years, only access to one book for 49 years, what would that book be? What's a book that you can read... Over and over again. Could it be a series? Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. Yes. Okay, so if it's a series, all day I'm going with the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. First Even of all, unfinished? Well, that was never a stipulation. You said whole series. I mean, as of today. As of today. Oh, that gets a little hairier. Um, I don't know. I, I usually read Lord of the Rings about once a year just because I, I enjoy reading it, and it's always interesting for me to read it. It's the really, it's the first novel I ever read, mm-hmm. so it's always fun to go back and read that. But I don't know if I would want to read that. F- be the only book I read for forty nine years. That's a tough one. So I, I would either say one of those Stormlight Archive books or that series up to now, because it would take ten years to read all of them because yeah. they're long, or the Lord of the Rings probably because I keep those are the books I keep coming back to. Those are probably my favorites. You nice uh, Dodgers and Lakers. This is Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. I'm David. That's Anthony. He likes the Lakers and the Dodgers. I know he's going to find a way to get Lakers stuff in here, and I'm okay with it because we can make fun of them today. Whoa. Find us Whoa. on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, get our website out there, subjectivelycorrect.com. You can read our uh, blog articles. It's your turn to write one, by the way. Is it? Is that how we're doing it? Yeah. I, I, I think I started with two. No, you didn't. Yeah. Well, not really. I mean, you just uploaded I, I, a video. I technically had three. Well, no, you just uploaded a video that you'd already done. That's not well, a, that's not a blog entry. Content. It's, yeah, it's content, but it was already content that you've already made. I created something ta- new. If you're tallying, it's me three, you one. No, you've written one. I've written There's one. three stories you can click on that have my No, 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 name. there are not three stories. Three blog posts. There are three, yes, a blog post is not a written blog. You posted I mean, something. I don't... I think we're... Uh, we're quibbling here. A little bit. You just tell me what you want me to do. Do you want me to write another one? Because oh. I'll write one tonight if I have to. Great. Thank you. I think I have something else to do tonight. I'll, I'll figure <laughs> something else out. We'll, we'll get something. Okay, so I'll write something, okay? It'll be better than my last one. After I read it, and then I took my own advice as a writing teacher. Yeah. And I was like, I could have done with, uh, with some changes there. So the next one I promised to be slightly you less You didn't post your first bad. draft, did you? No. Okay. No. No. Mm. No, uh, I did not. Uh, email us at subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. Shout out to Matt Moody who emailed us again, one of the OG listeners. I guess all of you are OG listeners because we've only been around for less than a year. Everyone who listens in the first year of the podcast is an OG. We're coming up on a year, aren't we? I think so. It's uh, NBA started, free agency. I think, did we start before the end of the last NBA season? I think it was after the end because it was a lot of... NBA contract talk, I remember. And yeah. we were gearing up for 
uh, football and we were talking baseball, right? In fact, I think I was on vacation when we did our first few shows. Like I was in, I was in Nevada and we did them over Skype or something. That's right, so it would have been like July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting close. I mean, we have over, uh, we're getting close to 50 shows, hmm. which is cool. Cool. It's cool. It's fun to take a hobby and something that you like and see it growing into something, right? Like even though it's not something that's super lucrative for us or something that's like... You haven't been getting paid? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You should look into that. Anyway, it's been fun. Like I've enjoyed it. Uh, if we could, we'd sit around and talk about sports and the other stuff that we enjoy anyway. So we might as well make it fun like this, right? Uh, I was mortified to hear that more students at my school are listening to the podcast now. Really? So I have to be careful. Sure. I can't make fun of them anymore. Yeah. See, see what I just did there? Now they're going to go back to previous episodes and listen to those I to like look it. for the times I'm making fun of students, but I'm not. Got to keep it family friendly. Of course. But uh, it's just cool to know that some students, like I don't advertise it at school. I don't want to take advantage of my station You're as not a teacher. putting up posters in the hall? Yeah. Scan this QR code to listen to my podcast. No, I'm not doing that. Bumping up a half letter grade? Yeah, for reals. Extra credit. Listen to my, listen to my podcast. Extra credit. No, I, I have too much professional integrity to stoop to such disgusting levels. Mm-hmm. What do you do to give them extra credit? Usually if they bring me some soda or some money. Yeah. So, sports happen. Yeah. And uh, so much sports happen. I, for the people that say March Madness is better than the NBA, are just ridiculous. Because they're comparing like NBA regular season to March Madness. Of course, you have the one a single elimination playoff tournament in uh-huh. basketball. You're comparing it to the 82-game regular season. LeBron doesn't even try until March. Okay. So don't, and he still is great. Anyway, but don't give me that. The The playoffs this year in the NBA have been super fun and exciting uh, after round one. Because round one was just like everyone just rolled round over one, and lost. Well, the, yeah, the series from round one that was great to watch was Blazers-Thunder. Yes. But even though that, it was a 4-1 series, there was a lot of drama there. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of like trash talk and a lot yeah. of like rocking the baby and then rocking the baby back then waving bye-bye like NSYNC after you take a step back 35-footer to bye, send somebody bye, bye. home. Is That bye, was, bye. was good stuff. It was good stuff. But round two was also super exciting, right? So, uh, clearly. Uh, oh, so I have some students. Speaking of my students at my school, they're, uh, they're into BTS. I don't know what that is. Right? That's the Korean boy band. Okay. There's six of them. They dance, they okay. sing, right? They're super popular. Do they have soul? <laughs> You're the worst. That's Seoul, Korea, the capital of that country. For those who You're worst. aren't it's, geographical it's, wizards. It's more hip-hop. Oh, okay. More like pop music. Yeah. Oh, my God. Got it. So they were listening to... During lunchtime, they came into my room to hang out and eat lunch, and they were listening to BTS. And uh, I was like, oh, they're kind of like the the today's Korean in sync." Mm-hmm. And they were like, who? <gasps> mm-hmm. And I was oh. like, Backstreet Boys? Huh? No. 98 Degrees? Huh? Menudo? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, who can I find? A-? They had no idea who any of these people were. And so I showed them a video of NSYNC, and I was like, basically the same thing. And I showed them Bye Bye Bye. Yeah. Right? And they were like, that's totally different. I was like, what are you talking so about? So have you heard this BTS? Yeah. And do they sing in English? No. They sing in Korean. Wait, so they sing in Korean, and they're yes. popular here? Yeah. They're worldwide, bro. Do they, so they're dancing you and stuff? You or? have not heard of K-pop. I've heard of K-pop. Yeah, they're, they're like they're one of K-pop's biggest acts. In fact, they have 
Okay. YouTube I've, videos. I've heard of K-pop. Yes. Not heard K-pop. Okay. Yeah. So it, it Unless, is... Unless uh, Gangnam Style. Is that K-pop? I don't know. I think it's like pre-K-pop more what, what, rap. Gangnam Style. Yeah. What? Yeah, I'm not going to sing it. I will dance to it. Yeah, I know. I've seen you do a, a yo-yo routine to that. Yes. I still think we need to do a subjectively correct video of you yo-yoing. Okay. Which is like me in the background talking sports. Yeah. I mean, I think we should set that up maybe for next week. Mm-hmm. That'll never happen. Wash my hair. Writing a blog article? Mm. No, I think it's your turn. Yeah. Okay, well, no need to rehash that. But anyway, needless to say, they didn't think it was anything alike, but clearly it is. Uh, okay. BTS. We'll listen to some BTS. Why are we between. talking about BTS? Uh, one thing led to another. It sounds like a disease. Like I, I got, B- I uh, I came down with BTS. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. My cousin just was just diagnosed with playoff P, bariatric uh, tremble syndrome. I got the tremblies <laughs> in the bemblies. <laughs> the tremblies in the bemblies. No, who else got the tremblies? The Celtics. They saw Giannis and they were like, "Ooh, I'm trembling." <laughs> Nice transition. Thank you. So Yeah, round two of the playoffs I, was super awesome. NBA playoffs. I just segued awesome. like Paul Blart. <laughs> um, so in memoriam, we got the uh, Celtics went home at the hands of the Bucks. Rockets went home at the hands of the Warriors. Nuggets, bye-bye-bye. See that tie-in right I there? I did. That was good. Yep. That was really good. Thank you. And the 76ers cried off the court. Ooh. Um, let's start with the Bucks celtics because that was the least entertaining series. Yeah. So oh, why yeah. wouldn't we start off with the least entertaining? Things we already knew. Giannis, good. Yes. Still okay. Giannis, still good. He was my um, quarter season MVP pick. Do you have that documented somewhere? Yes, it's on the podcast. Oh, cool. I guess go find that one. Do you know what episode it's from? Uh, I'm going to say... Receipts. 30. I have no idea. Dude, that was like 16 weeks ago. No... Anyway, oh, maybe you're right. Anyway. Uh, check, hey. so, check sometime in November, December. Go check that out. So we knew John, Giannis was good. We knew he was impossible to guard. We knew that uh, the Bucks had a good all-around overall team. George Hill has been playing amazing. Things that we maybe didn't know or maybe that were brought to light a little bit more. Kyrie Irving, as a leader, is not good for your basketball team, apparently. I know this is I know this is his first time being the guy. Yeah. But apparently the Boston Celtics are better when he's injured and not playing than when he's trying to be the leader of the team. Well, also I wonder, you know, young guys are much more coachable. Maybe they buy into the system more. And Kyrie's so talented that it's almost it's almost the, like the curse of being too talented where you break the system, right? Where you think, you know, coach draws up a player has some principles, you know, on offense that when implemented, do well, but you think you start to go into hero ball mode, right? Where you feel like the best option is for you to just create and get your own shot. Right. And sometimes I feel like Kyrie maybe does that. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens is viewed as a good coach. I think his stock is falling a little bit or fell this year a little bit with uh, based on the team. Everyone thought the Celtics would be, and you would think, right? Gordon Hayward coming back, Kyrie Irving, Irving healthy. You would think that the same team that was the one seed, I think, last year. Were they one or two? They, they went to the Eastern Conference They went playoffs. to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, finals. finals. Oh. Whatever seed they were. I, mean, I think Raptors were one seed last year. But whatever seed the Celtics were, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and only lost to the LeBron James Cavs. right? Which everyone does. In seven games. Yeah. And, so, and, this, and this is without their two best players. So I think that's where Brad Stevens gets this coaching ethos, right? Yeah. But I think... 
we've talked about this. There are different coaches that can do different things. Phil Jackson was great at coaching superstars. Yeah. Right? Uh, Brad Stevens may not be a good superstar coach. Yeah. You know? And that's why I think LeBron is, is – people are, view him as, like, very picky with his coaches. Well, I think he just understands the kind of coach that he needs. And maybe Kyrie needs a coach that's not like Brad Stevens who came up from college. Right? Yeah, and it has so much success at Butler. Yeah. So – I don't think he's a good coach for that superstar player because that team that he took to the Eastern Conference Finals last year didn't have a superstar. Well, hey, good news for Brad Stevens. I don't think he's going to have a superstar in his team next year. Nope. I think think Kyrie's got... Okay, if you want to say Gordon Hayward's a superstar, go for it. You say that. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's quite. He's not a superstar anymore. Maybe if, he gets back there. If any team can love him like a superstar, it's Boston. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm at town. Did I say team? You said team. I think. If any town could love know. him like a superstar, it's Boston. Because they like their players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they love their players, especially when they win. When they play the right way, mm. right? And my wife pointed this out while we were watching. When Gordon Hayward was in, and when he had the ball, he may not have scored a lot of points. But there were good decisions being made. Like the offense was flowing. It's almost like you were talking about. He followed the flow and the principles of Brad Stevens' offense and it ended up yeah. creating good opportunities for players around it should him. should be second nature for him as a former Stevens. Right? And Butler? Student. Or not student. Uh, well, he what, definitely a yeah, student, student athlete. Yeah. Right? But then Kyrie would get the ball and it, like all that flow and momentum and movement off the ball, ball movement would stop mm-hmm. and it would end up being Kyrie shooting a bad shot or turning the ball over. And. When you play in a system all year and that brought you success, going away from that system in the playoffs can hurt you. Now, I understand there are great players, and sometimes great players need to take over. They need that Mamba mentality. They need to go LeBron mode. And score, Mamba right? They need to score 25 points in a row like LeBron. Mm-hmm. There are times when that needs to happen. But Kyrie also needs to understand that sometimes the other team has your number with a certain defense or something like that, or they have certain yeah. matchups that, that they're really taking advantage of on defense, and you need to know when to get the ball out of your hand and create shots for everybody else. The Warriors are so good at this. It doesn't matter if I'm the superstar or you're the superstar. Clay will get 37. Steph will get, well, not this year, but Steph will get something. Hey, he, he got like 23 in the fourth quarter that in is, the closeout game. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that saved him. because he it, was, it, it did. It he was saved heading towards the, He said heading towards the poopy train. More on that later. But I think Kyrie needs to be a better leader for sure. And that, this is learning experience stuff, but I think if I'm a team, I would be wary of building around Kyrie Irving without some veteran leadership on the team. Because who, who, I mean, the Celtics have Horford, but who else do they have as like veteran leadership on the team? Yeah. It's mostly young guys. Yeah, Kyrie needs to go somewhere where he's going to be 1B, right? Or, mm. or, or the number two, or the clear number two. So possible destinations that make sense for Kyrie, New York, if KD goes there. Right. The Lakers to reunite with LeBron. You know, there may have been some friction in the relationship when they were with the Cavs, but it worked. Right. I think when he went to Boston, I think after a while he was like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Like being the guy like LeBron was, it's really hard. And I think he realized that. I think maybe their relationship may have softened a little bit. Yeah. Because of that. Because Kyrie, it's almost like when, uh, I can't, I'm struggling to come up with examples right now. But it's like when you you've always had a partner and you're successful, then you go off on, on your own to try to start, start your own business. And yeah. You realize, oh my gosh, this is really really difficult. Right? It, it was the, it's the Shaq Kobe relationship 2.0. It's you know when they when they were at the height of their friction, uh, they couldn't stand each other, and uh, you know Shaq went on to win a championship with Miami. Kobe won two more with the Lakers, and now it's like a love fest anytime they talk about each other and how they wish they could have you know kept it together, but. You know, Shaq felt like he was the alpha, and he was. 
but Kobe was coming into his own and was a legitimate, you know, one B and felt like he should be the leader of the team, and the egos couldn't couldn't mesh any longer. Right. And uh, and so that may have happened with Cleveland, but but with time, with perspective, I think uh, I think Kyrie would welcome a reunion. Not saying that he's going to the Lakers. Um, but uh, but I think he would love to again play with someone that can take the uh, can can be the best player on the team. Right, and I think we also need to remember all these guys are like in their twenties. Yeah, right? Kyrie and right. Katie. And well, Le- it's Katie Lebron's. Katie. Yeah, I don't know. But LeBron's like thirty one, thirty two, right? He's so thirty four. Thirty four. Oh, he's older than I thought. But anyway, yeah. th- so he's like the old guy in the league, right? He's one of the older yeah. guys in the league, way way older than the league average. And I think we don't give these young athletes enough leeway when it comes to, like their maturity and their growth because we need to remember how young they are. I mean, I'm I'm 31 yeah. and I feel like I've matured a lot just this last year, like professionally. Um, I don't. Why are you disagreeing? Like, why are you disagreeing with me? No, no, I'm not disagreeing. Okay, good, because you got to like you're disagreeing. Maybe no, something no, no. on your phone yeah. that you're disagreeing with. No, I'm not disagreeing. With you. Yeah. Okay, good, because I, I like I said, I feel like it seems like something you would disagree with though. Mm. But anyway, I feel like I've grown a lot. And I've matured a lot through some experiences over the last year. Yeah. And I'm 30. So why can't we expect this from young guys in their 20s, right? Just because they have tons of money and their professional athletes are the best at what they do doesn't mean they're the best at being mature. doesn't mean they're best at being leaders, mm-hmm. right? We can't expect guys to just be great leaders just because they're super talented. That's not how it works. In fact, a lot of times it's the opposite, where usually the good leaders are the ones that aren't the most talented. And I don't know what that's about. There, there's that rare moment where you have the super talented who are also really great leaders, yeah, well, I, I think it's just like, you know, when someone has all five of their senses, no no one sense necessarily stands out. But if someone who's blind, they have like an enhanced sense of smell or hearing, right? Or take away some other sense. It's because you work those things more, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you're capped on your talent, right, you know you have to develop those other things to maximize your influence, your effectiveness. Gotcha. So Kyrie never had to be the leadership guy to get the most out of his team because he just relied on his talent to do that. And then he was trying to do that this year with the Celtics and it ended up crushing him. Well, a Greek freak crushed him. Yeah. Um, anyways, but, but enough I mean, about the Celtics. To be the eighth seed this year is a huge disappointment. That was my phone and I apologize. <laughs> or it was, was the, the universe agreeing with me. Who was the eighth seed? The Celtics. No. They were the four seed or five seed. Oh, this is round two. My yes. bad. I was thinking round one. Yes, yes. I thought they were the one eight matchup. They are not. They were the one four matchup. Either way. Yes. Either way. You you would have thought they would have been the one or two seed, and they weren't. Um, all right. So now that probably maybe that's well, I can't even say it was the funnest because the next the other two series were were super fun as well. But Warriors Rockets. This was a really fascinating series, mostly because I'm wondering where the Rockets go from. Where they go now? Like, what do they do next season, the season after? I can't. They played the Warriors. Yes. So you played the Warriors. They always lose, lose to the Warriors. Right? They've lost to them what the last three years now. Yes, but everyone loses to the Warriors. So of you course, can't fault yeah, yeah. Them. You can't fault them for that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, what is it going to take for them to break through? What is it going to yeah. take for them to find? Because we thought they. They well, should have beat them last year, but they just went on an epic cold streak. Yeah. And then they had chances this year when, when Kevin Durant went down in Game 6. I thought for sure this is their moment because they had already erased a 17-point deficit or something like that. And they'd come all the way back. And then KD gets hurt. Oh, that was so scary, too, to see oh, him get hurt. I mean... I, Everyone thought it was the Achilles right away, right? Yeah. I, he didn't look like he was in as much or pain. Or ACL, though. what do they think? No, Achilles. Achilles. Yeah, he didn't look like he was in that much pain. So I was like, maybe not Achilles, but I didn't want to be, ho- like, yeah. be super hopeful because you never know. Because that injury... 
could have altered the like the history of the NBA, right? That could have changed the whole next decade of basketball, right? Because of uh, who KD is and the type of talent that he is and where he goes, all this stuff. It could have changed everything, but it's just a calf strain. He sits out the rest of that game. The Warriors end up winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay had himself a game, right? Yeah. Come through it, and then Steph Curry seemed to kind of wake up a little bit after Kevin Durant went out. Yeah, he had zero points in the first half. Ended up with 33. He was missing layups. He was missing free throws. He was missing wide open and, shots. And this is multiple games of him just looking out of it, like yes, in some missed, kind of funk. He missed dunks and stuff. If, yeah. Yeah. And, and so to it was a, a good sign, I'm sure welcome sign for all the, the Warriors and the Warrior fans to see him wake up, right, and, and put the team on his back, especially in that fourth quarter when, when he scored 23 points and was looking like the the Steph of old. And that's what that's what everyone's going to remember. Everyone's going to forget about the the absolute garbage he was putting up before in that series cuz he yeah. was bad in that series. He was not just like bad for Steph. He was just bad. Yeah. And maybe he put up some numbers, but when you're on the floor that long with the pace of the NBA and you're making free throws, you're going to put up a lot of points, but he was his efficiency was terrible. His three-point shooting was awful. Yeah, and and people ask this question a lot and the answer is obviously no. But it's still, it's so interesting. Like, the question is, are the Warriors better without KD? No. No team is better without Kevin Durant. But certain players will play better, right? Steph, for whatever reason, plays better. And maybe it's just that he has more opportunities. But he wasn't, with the opportunities he had when KD was on the floor, he wasn't effective. Right. Right. And I don't know if if I'm playing against the... The Warriors, I might think, we don't have anyone that can match up against Kevin Durant defensively. Yeah. So what do we do? We take away Steph. And if we can take away their second best option and maybe just they live or die with Kevin Durant, maybe it works out. And it almost worked out for them because it, Durant yeah. was playing so many minutes. I think it was the miles he was putting on his legs that eventually ended up with the injury. So maybe that was what the Warriors, uh, the Rockets were trying to do to stop the Warriors. Stop Steph. So we don't have to deal with a two-headed monster. We just have to deal with the, the one-headed monster of Kevin Durant. And then he went down, and I thought for sure this is their opportunity. But then yeah. Steph rose to the occasion a little bit. But he was missing layups and dunks yeah. and stuff. And, and Matt mentioned something interesting. He said, well, first he's talked about how AirPods are popular. Yeah, and I think uh, my response was they're terrific. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything clever because whatever. And this is what he said. How many layups does Steph Curry have to miss to tarnish his reputation? And that's a great question yeah. because he missed a lot of wide open layups both in that? the half court and in the – uh, fast break. He missed a wide open dunk. It looked bad for him. What did I say? Uh, Curry would have to endorse dog fighting and burn down a homeless shelter for his reputation to be tarnished. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's that's maybe. And then he said, "Thanks for the emails. Reading them is among the parts of my day." Yes, it's true. Uh, Curry. So the one blemish on Curry's resume is no Finals MVP. A player of his caliber who's been in the finals that many times should have a finals MVP. The first one, Andre Godala won. Some people thought Curry should have maybe won that. Uh, and then the last two times they won the finals, Kevin Durant was the MVP. I think the first one, when Iggy won it, I think that was just a, a nod to LeBron, right? Because he was yeah. clearly the best player in that series. That's and right. so the man who was guarding him yeah. maybe should get the MVP, which I thought was weird. But yeah, maybe Steph should have won that one. I don't know. It was, yeah. a, it was a weird choice that a guy who didn't start all season... Not one game. Yeah. Not one game. He didn't start a single game, and he won the fi- NBA Finals MVP. Interesting. Maybe yeah. Steph should have won it. But you know but, what I mean. Yeah. But when when you're talking about all-time greats, uh, the list of all-time greats without a Finals MVP, I'm having trouble thinking of any. Barkley? I see an all-time great, though. I'm talking about, like, a top 10 player. Oh, well. 
In that case, no. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look it up. But I don't know. Did right. Wilt win an MVP? A finals MVP? Finals MVP? I'd have to he look it up. Have. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, so the Rockets. All right. The poor Rockets. I actually, I usually don't feel bad for the Rockets because, I don't know, not a huge fan of, like, watching them play. And I don't have, I, it maybe feels like I have something against Houston sports. I really don't. Shout out Will Stewart, Houston sports fan. I don't have anything against, they just, you know, the Astros, they beat my Dodgers. So, you know, there's never going to have any love for them. It's going to take a while at least. With the Rockets. Your, your pitching staff beat the Dodgers last year. Dodgers pitching staff the beat Dodgers the Dodgers? The Dodgers pitching yeah, staff well. beat the Dodgers last year. Yeah. Bats went cold as well. They did. They always do in October. I don't know. They blew a lot of They did. Games. No. Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts beat the Dodgers last year. Took anyways. Let's we'll, let's let's table that discussion. Until October? Until at least September. Alright. I'll give you that one. So this uh, this a little so yeah, analytics, yeah. right? So maybe Dave Roberts was following the analytics and made the best choice based on analytics and not his gut. And LeBron mentioned that don't give me this analytics stuff. So the Rockets rely heavily on analytics. Yeah. And people are like, well, maybe analytics will win you regular season games, but they won't win you playoff games. But what I don't like about that is every single team in the NBA has an analytics department. Not an analytics guy, not an analytics-focused like statistician or something like that. They have an analytics department. And so each team tries to manipulate the analytics to their favor based off of their team, mm-hmm. right? Every team's doing analytics stuff. So to say that this is proof that analytics don't work, that's garbage because the Warriors are doing plenty of analytics themselves, right? Why do you think they're the team that they were the first team to really take advantage of the threes? Never mind Mike D'Antoni and the Suns, but they were the first team to really make it efficient and a, and a reliable, consistent, uh, winning type of basketball, yeah. right? Doesn't hurt when you have two two of the greatest three point shooters of all time on your team. Maybe that's why it works. Yeah. But you also on the Rocket side, you also have James Harden, who is who is a legendary shooter. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, who's a good shooter. Uh, Tucker, who's PJ Tucker, is a good shooter. Eric Gordon, who's a good shooter, and other players on that team that can come in and get you some some three point shots when you need it, right? So that formula should work for the Rockets, and it did until it didn't. Mm-hmm. But they were playing the Warriors, who are a really good team and have really great defenders like Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson's a great defender, Draymond Green. We forget about these players that play great defense because the offense gets all the accolades. Yeah. Here's 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 my concern though for the Rockets is that this may have been your best chance to take down the Warriors. Now now Katie's leaving, right? I mean, I, there's a chance he stays with the Warriors, but he could most, he could give us the playoff P. Most people think that KD will leave. And if he does, then it's then it's essentially the same Warriors team that beat you in Game Six, right? Which is still a very formidable team. And that won two and champions. That one that won one without KD one, went one. went to two in a row, and and um, you know they'll probably max out Clay. They probably bring back back Draymond the year after that. So they they'll still be effective for a few more years at least. Yeah. Um, the Rockets, though, what can you do? Because you're paying. You got James Harden maxed. You got Chris Paul, Max. You're paying Chris Paul, and I know he has great moments, but over the course of an 82 season, is Chris Paul worth this year $38 million, next year $41 million, year after that $44-plus million? Like, your cap is essentially tied up to two players plus a couple extra pieces. And so you're really limited in what you can do. And Daryl Morey, the GM, he is a wizard uh, coming up with ways to improve his team. So I have no doubt he's got something in mind. Uh, but you can't trade Chris Paul, even if you'd want to. Because the contract. Because the contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Chris Paul was at $20 million, sure. Yeah, you can move him. $41 million? No. So it's not that he's not a good player, but he's just not a movable piece because of the contract that's tied to him. 
Yeah. I think the thing that the Rockets need to build around now is James Harden. If he mm-hmm. wants to stay there, and because of what he means that franchise, he'll be there for a long time. He's such a part of what they want to do. But then you also have Capella. Capella is super important for what they want to do too because they got that athletic, rim-protecting, mm-hmm. um, offensive player, right? So you need that player in today's NBA, it seems like. Defense. Yeah, for defense and, a, and for those uh, buckets. For the it's lobs, like, yeah. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, Giannis, um, Chris Porzingis. That's kind of the prototypical big man now, the big man that gets you wins, right? So every team has that. Uh, at least most of the good teams have something like that. Joel Embiid for the 76ers, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think they're, they're going to build around Harden and... Capella, and maybe everything else is kind of exchangeable, right? Like, like he yeah, can, I think three point shooting their, and defense beyond that. I think their hope is that the talent gets spread out more evenly in the West, right? And and with KD leaving the Rock, the Warriors, uh, that's going to happen at the top. Um, the Nuggets are still going to be a problem. You have anything more about the Warriors Rockets? You want to say? Oh no, nope, I'm good. Okay, let's yeah. So let's let's go. I guess one, one thing to to watch for next series: uh, the Blazers are going to play the Warriors. KD's definitely out in Game One and probably out for Game Two. And so, if there's any hope the Blazers have of of making this an interesting series, take the first two. You got to take those first two in Golden State. Yeah, but I I think if they the Warriors might win the first two games. And then yeah. KD will sit out another game or two. Like he if, won't if they the win Portland. the first two games, KD's not going to play this series, right? And, unless he gets to a game seven, right? I but I do think he'll, he'll need to come back because he needs to prove that he's healthy and can still play at a high level because he's on a contract year. And it's amazing what guys yeah. will do in a contract year. It really is. And yeah. I know KD's been proven and stuff like that. But look what happened to Boogie Cousins. Look what I know well, it's a minor injury that he had, not a major injury. But at the same time, he's going to come back and prove I'm still KD. Yeah, I would say I would agree, except that this is just a calf sprain. I mean, right. But yeah, he he wants to come back, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, speaking of Boogie Cousins, actually, so there is uh, reports that he could be back this round. Would we want him? Would they well, want him to though? That's the thing. I don't think they would. I don't think he, I don't think they're in any rush to have him back on the. Does court. he fit? I remember when when we were talking about him coming back and like playing for them even after the injury. We we're like, how do you beat this team? How do you beat this team? It's like, well, he's not the same boogie that he was before, and I don't know if he really fits into what they want to do. Maybe yeah. as a second unit, like if he he might. I mean, might he be able can to take Andrew him. Bogut's minutes. Yes, please, uh, get Andrew Bogut out of my life. But he. <laughs> what do you uh, have against Andrew Bogut? The way he plays basketball. Oh, wow, Australia's own. You just totally alienated the nation of Australia. No, they like Ben Simmons now. Okay. They're off of that Bogut train. They're on that uh, Simmons train. Bogut was the MVP of the Australian League this year. What? Yeah. He played in Australia and yeah. came here? He played in Australia, finished the season. Get and this then... guy an endorsement. Get... I mean, this guy doesn't need to be playing in the summer he in Australia. He endorses rue milk. <laughs> Vegemite. Mate. Put another yeah. prawn on the bobby. I think I think we've gotten all we can out of your Australian accent. Outback. Yeah, we've walk got, about. We've gotten all we can. That's me nicely saying Sydney stop it. Sydney Opera House. Stop it. That would have been really comedically great for you to do one more. Two thousand Olympics. <laughs> Was it two thousand? I don't know. When were they in Sydney? I don't know. That big white fact building. checker. Get on that. We do have do one do of those. Do 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 do. Was that the fact checker do sound? Do do do. Why do I got to be the fact checker? That was a Sid the Sloth reference. Is that a fact joke? <laughs> uh, anyway. Sydney Olympics, 2000. Oh, man. Like a steel trap. Slightly rusty. Yeah, okay. That's okay. <laughs> but that caveat, I'll agree with you. Because it was like, well, it took a second to climb shut, but then once it did, it was there. Uh, I don't really like that steel trap because a steel trap catches information 
but couldn't really release it. Holds it. Like if, it. if it's holds a good, onto information. it does hold on to it. But then you can't release that information. Why would so it's you like want it's stuck to, in your you brain. You don't want to release it. You do, so that you can get it out there. If you never release that information, but about I think, the Sydney, Australia, I think in like, this, don't interrupt I me. I'm making a point. Don't interrupt me. You're interrupting I me. Think... You're just doing to bother me now. <laughs> the still trap. So what I think. Forget it. Talk, talk, Blazers Nuggets. Okay. So what I think though is going on is you just want to hold on to that information, use it when you want to use it. You don't just want to float it off into the ether. So it's still, it's trapping the information in. All right, Blazers Nuggets, super exciting. So Steph struggled in his series. Bad. Dame actually struggled in this series as well. A little bit. But I think he's got enough uh, goodwill, enough capital built up from. From summarily dismissing the Thunder in the first round, that uh, no one's going to criticize him too heavily. And they may have if they ended up losing in Game Seven, but they didn't. They didn't win. And McCollum put put the team on the back. Just to illustrate, you're welcome, Jennifer. <laughs> Just to illustrate what that shot means for the franchise, it's already in the Blazers Hall of Fame. But the, there's a the gi- Lillard the, the three, Lillard three to, to send the Thunder home. He put uh, there's a poster like a huge blown up photo of him shooting and it going in over Paul George. They have there's, shots in their MVP in their Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so like moments, MV- Hall of Fame sure. moments, okay. right? So uh, I'm gonna make a Lakers joke now about no, like, no. We, we hang banners in our Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, like I mean that? that's fine. It's cute. It's good. It's good. <laughs> You're incorrigible. So. Uh, C.J. McCollum does not get enough credit. No. Well, it's partly because he looks like an insurance salesman from, like, 1988, right? Especially when he's got the little mustache going. I think he looks like Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Who probably aspired to be an insurance salesman in 1988. It's not unusual to be <laughs> overshadowed by oh. Damien Luther. Okay, know. all right. It's not unusual. It is unusual for me to come up with a good lyric on the fly. Yeah, well, not all of us have the gift, David. <laughs> should, I re- should I recant a story about... Before we started the show? Uh, no. Okay. Fine. We're just going to, okay, maybe I'll spring that on you we later. We are good. Are we? Hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, so this this series went seven. Jokic played, I think, 400 minutes. That's that's a joke. But they did have the four overtime game yes. where he played like 65 minutes. He was out there all the time. Uh, no, I love was, that. I love that Charles Barkley calls him Big Honey. <laughs> It was uh no it was pre- it was pretty incredible to see. I didn't really give the Blazers much of a chance game 7 on the road, but they came through and I They they were down a bunch too. They were down 18 points. That's crazy. So they came back from down 18 on the road. I think that was one of the most impressive victories I've seen a team pull off in in basketball just because mm-hmm. you're down that much, you're on the road and the the Nuggets are no, no slouch, man. That's a great team yeah. with good players. Jamal Murray kind of had a coming out party this playoffs and I think he's become a national name now. Um we were reintroduced to Joker. Right? How many mm-hmm. jokers are there? At There's least Novak two. Djokovic yeah. and now Djokic. But Djokic comes out and puts up the great numbers, a couple triple doubles, and averaging great numbers for the series. He was and, great. The, yeah. Um, and this 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 game seven specifically is what kind of prompted the online uh, discussion about analytics versus old school because you had McCollum hitting mid range jumper after mid range jumper, and the the analytics will tell you that the best Offense, offensive outcome is a layup, dunk, or three, right? That's that's your best shot at maximizing your points on a given possession are with a shot very close to the basket or far enough away that you would get three points. As long as the three-pointer is an open three-pointer is the caveat. Okay. Um, Unless you're James Harden. And that's, and like David was saying earlier, like you were saying earlier, the analytics is most useful over 
if you're like running a simulation over a season long period, right? Or, or over the course of a game, right? Because it's, it's over the course of multiple possessions, right? Mm -hmm. Given multiple possessions, what would be, what would be the most efficient use of that possession? Okay. Now that McCollum hit a few really important mid range jumpers that are, that would be against kind of the analytical models, right? It doesn't negate the effectiveness of analytics, but what it does show and what I think is a lot of people have a hard time understanding is that, yes, as a print, for a principle-based offense based on analytics, you would more often than not shoot a three, a dunk, or a layup, but depending on how the defense plays you, your best shot may be a 15 or 20-footer. What? Yeah. This is strikingly similar to what I sent you through message. Yeah, but what you sent was, it was, sorry. It was out, like, that's that's the understanding, right? Uh-huh. But you articulated it very well, almost as if you read it somewhere before. Like in the messages I sent you. Yeah, but it's like saying the sky's blue, right? Is it? Then why did you take the time to stay here in a podcast? <laughs> because I'm explaining to those who might see the sky as green. Anyway, I agree with everything you said. Probably because I said it first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but, but we both we both share that same sensibility. I think I just yeah. took the time to, to type it out on message because my thumbs are furious. At it. <laughs> I, I was angry messaging you about it because I do support analytics and, and it's been proven to be a way to win. The Warriors do it. Okay, The Warriors have relied heavily on analytics and it's helped them win. Right? What happened with the Rockets, I think, is that when it came down to that time where you just take the best shot no matter what it is, like forget analytics, you just have to do what is best in, at this moment, mm -hmm. right? It's not like Remember the Titans. It's not like good medicine and time <laughs> and it's going to work. That's not how it is, right? You take what the defense is giving you. James Harden didn't, he took one shot in the last eight minutes. That's incredible. Of game seven. That is awful. And that is the biggest indictment of James Harden I think I could ever give. Mm -hmm. Not that his play may not be the best. Not that he travels and gets away with it. Not that he gets too many ticky-tack fouls and goes to the line too much. None of that has, that stopped bothering me because of how impressive he plays. The fact that he took one shot in the final eight minutes of the most important game, maybe of his career up to this point, is unexcusable. Yeah, you think of someone, okay, analytics people do not particularly like Kobe Bryant, but you, the, the, the comparison between Kobe and James Harden, is there any scenario in which Kobe in a game seven would take one shot or less in the final eight minutes. No, he could be quadruple teamed. It could be like that commercial where like they CG'd a bunch of people guarding. I think yeah. it was Kobe. He would still make he would still make a couple of shots or at least get yeah. the Kobe says like you said, right? He wouldn't shrivel and do nothing. Yeah. James Harden shriveled and did nothing. Yeah, it, it, and I don't know who was saying it, but you, you saw a lot of posts and a lot of commentary on TV about, you know, if there's anything in James Harden's uh, resume that's lacking is is that big moment in a big playoff series, and and it's true. He you know unfortunately for him he keeps coming up against the, the Warriors right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean if he came out and shot ten shots in that last couple minutes and then didn't win, it's to say okay you can attribute it to the Warriors defense or yeah. something else. You can excuse it away. And you cannot excuse not taking any shots. And this was not not necessarily taking no shots, but this was the knock and probably unfairly against LeBron until he won a championship was that what you give LeBron a dollar he gives you back three quarters right that he doesn't show up in the fourth quarter I think there's plenty of stats plenty of uh, of graphics out there that will show you that that's not true 
you know, it was maybe more true earlier in his career. When he was but, younger and less experienced, yeah, and that was good. Sure. And, but but he overcame it, right? And now no one questions his clutchness, right? And but James Harden isn't there yet. You know, he hasn't won anything. And while he's hit some big shots in his career, he hasn't done it when his teams needed it the most. Right. And this is a great example of championships cure everything. Yeah. Steph Curry could light an orphanage on fire and run away holding all the money that was inside the cash registers and we'd look the other way. Yeah. And it almost happened during this playoffs. Uh, but because he's won those championships. Um, Harden, like you said, isn't there yet. I mean, that might be unfair, but it's the way that people are viewed. Uh, I'm sorry, Blazers Nuggets, but I guess the James Harden conversation was more interesting. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so, Nuggets are going to be here for a while. Uh, yes. they're, they're a good team. They're a young team, well-coached. Um, uh, they're not going to go anywhere. You know, I think they'll they'll stay atop the West for a while. Mike Malone outcoached Greg Popovich, and maybe they had better players too a little bit. Yeah, but, they definitely have better <laughs> players. But. Uh, let's move on to Philadelphia and Toronto. Um, it's all about Kawhi. Kawhi had the highest, one of the highest percentages of team points in the history of Game 7s. LeBron's on that list, three of the top five. Yeah. And you have, like, Kawhi and some others, right? Yeah, he had, like, over 40% of his team's points, right? Yes. So, I mean, clutch why, right? Yeah. The claw is clutch. He made he made him beat Kawhi. He did me. <laughs> Quite all the way to the locker room. That shot was amazing. Did you watch that live? Yes. Okay, so... My wife and I were playing a board game, right? It was Mother's Day. She loves playing board games. So we were watching basketball and playing board games, two of my fa- my wife's favorite things, mm-hmm. right? So we're watching. It's a super close game and stuff. My wife uh, sees the Jimmy Butler. Was it a layup in the free throw to tie it or something? A free throw to tie Anyway, Jimmy Butler ties it. Yeah, whatever right? it was. It's yeah. 90-90 or whatever it is. And then uh, she walks off to go grab something to charge a oh, computer no. phone or something. And I was like, okay, Heather, they're passing the ball. And they're passing Heather, come here. Heather, they're passing it in. Heather, come here. They're passing it Okay, I got quiet because the action started. Then I was like, oh! She comes in like whatever, like rolling her eyes, thinking that I was messing with her. I said, like, come here, come here. And she's like watching the Raptors celebrate. What happened? What happened? I told you to come here. And so she sits down and we watch the replay. Uh, that shot, that feeling that I had, I'm not like a huge Toronto fan. I'm a big Vince Carter fan, a big Tracy McGrady fan, but I'm yeah. not like a big Toronto fan. But that brought out all of the sports fan emotions in me. It had everything. It had the 76ers being disappointed and like the, the not that I love that, but just mm-hmm. like that, that raw emotion, Kawhi showing emotion. Yeah. I mean, I, I would. He, he let it out for three seconds. Yes, he did. And then the post game interview was so bland. <laughs> it was boring. so funny. I was excited for it because he, he was like, started to walk away. He's like, oh, cool. I have one more question. And he was like, all right. <laughs> it was so bad. And then, uh, anyway, it was like the opposite of Richard Sherman yeah. after he knocked the ball away from Crabtree. It was the opposite of that. Yeah. But everything about that last play the was ball amazing. Bouncing four times on the rim, just the, the, the tension and the drama and the quietness are in the building. It just a bounce, bounce, bounce in, and then the eruption. Oh man, it's fantastic! And then the the images that have come from it, like Kawhi squatting and yeah. looking at the ball, all the all the 76ers and Raptors players, and they realize that's going in, and the looks on their faces. It is such an amazing <laughs> moment in basketball history. Yeah, it was the it was the first ever buzzer beater, uh, buzzer beater winner in a game seven of the NBA playoffs. That's cr- crazy, uh, and it's the greatest moment in Toronto Raptor basketball history. Uh, Vince Carter winning the dunk contest. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, of course. And the trade for Kawhi was totally worth it. It was completely worth it. Um, whether or not he stays, like, this, they've now achieved, I mean, they. I think they've been to one Eastern Conference final. Maybe, like, it doesn't matter. They couldn't but beat LeBron. They, 
they couldn't get past LeBron, and without Kawhi this year, if it was if it was DeRozan and Lowry again, I don't think they get past the 76ers. Um, their seeding's probably lower as well, but it, it was it was totally worth it. Kawhi is paid off, and he is now, in my opinion, the top free agent this coming off season. Bigger than KD? I think so. We've already established that maybe and Kyrie isn't, isn't your guy, so it's either yeah. KD or him, and you think he's more valuable as a free agent this offseason than Kevin Durant. I think so, and, and I'm just going to real quick see. Kevin Durant's 30, and Kawhi is, let's see, uh, Kawhi's 27. All right, He's going to turn 28 before the end of uh, this offseason. I love so, that his wingspan is 7'3". Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, he called the claw for a reason, and his defense, that claw really swung the game in Game 7 for, for Toronto. Yeah, um, and so I just think the way he... Plays both ends of the floor. <laughs> the way the way Kawhi plays both ends of the floor, and the lack of drama you get having him on the team. Granted, the Spurs may not feel the same way because there was a lot of drama last year. But I think once you know they, the the reports are still that he wants to end up in LA. Whether that's Clippers, Lakers, who knows? I think there's a good chance he goes back to Toronto, especially if they make it to the finals. Um, but wherever he goes. It's gonna. He's going because he wants to be there. Because he'll have his pick of wherever he wants to go. Yeah. He'll want to be there. There's not gonna be any drama like there was in San Antonio. And he is as low maintenance. At least from the outsider's perspective, he's as low maintenance as they come. Right. It's like he's a basketball machine, like yeah. sent from the future, from the Terminator future back to our time to just play basketball. Sky net. <laughs> and I would if I if I. Were the Lakers front office, I would prioritize him over everyone at 12 p.m. midnight. In fact, make the call now. Tamper, please. But Magic Johnson stopped being the president of basketball operations, so he could tamper and tweet and stuff. And his tweets are so good. His I'm so tweets glad. are super insightful. I'm so glad. <laughs> he essentially tweets the score of the game and who scored how many, the most points. I don't know. Are you that, I mean, how unaware of yourself can you be? That you're tweeting stuff like the Raptors and the 76ers just played a great game. Wow. And you're like you're like you're like a basketball legend. How are you so bad about talking about basketball? <laughs> right? He's just he just wants to be super positive all right? the time. That would be like an a histor- like an amazing Steven Spielberg yeah. sits down and watches a film that's just blowing the nation away and he's asked about it on a magazine and, uh, like for an article for a magazine that talk that covers cinema and film and he says, "Well, the director put together a script and a film and a cast and then made this movie." Yeah, it's, it's and that's it. it. It's essentially yeah. It's Steven Spielberg every week congratulating the the movie with the top box office. Yes, right? you know, Avatar made three hundred million dollars this weekend. Congrats, good movie. You know that's it. he could do so much more. Just like everything besides playing for the Lakers and running his businesses that Magic has ever touched. Yeah, the, the, so much potential unfulfilled. Well, we're spending a lot of time on this. Sorry, listener, if if basketball's not your thing. Many apologies. Stick around for the next segment, though. It's not basketball. Okay, yeah. No, we're not done, though. Uh, <laughs> that was very, that was <laughs> Sorry, very Sorry, I wasn't trying to transition. Poor listener. I just happened to notice the clock. Poor uh, listener, poor listener. No, real quick, though, before, before uh, wrap, yeah, wrapping... Yeah, real, real quick. Real quick, before, before wrapping up uh, NBA Round 2 playoff uh, talk, the uh, the 76ers. Again, so the same question with the Rockets. Where do they go from here? Joel Embiid said, I don't give a about the process. 
when someone asks yeah. him about the process, right? And I, that was a really bad look. And I know he's emotional. He's a young kid. He hasn't been playing competitive basketball for a long time. So mm-hmm. I get, like, the raw emotions after a loss. He was crying. He was consoled by his girlfriend. I get all that. But, dude, I don't think that was the right thing to say when you are... Well, I guess your Hulu has live sports Embiid now, but you are Joel the Process Embiid, and you gave yourself that nickname, and you were feeding off of that nickname. Shout out Pablo Torre, who probably coined the phrase. But that wasn't a good look for him, and he'll mature, he'll grow, and he'll be fine. Yeah. But that just wasn't a good look. And so, so the Seven Sixers have an interesting off season coming up. Um, obviously, Embiid and 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 uh, Simmons are going to stick around for a while, and Simmons. I think for them to reach their potential, Simmons has to develop a shot. Like he's just, he's 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 an amazing player, even without a shot. Yeah. He, if he adds a shot, he's essentially another Giannis, right? We, yeah. Well, he's basically like Rondo, but he's taller and more physical. Yeah. If remember, defenses would just sag off of Rondo to the point where they had a guy standing at the free throw line whose man was Rajon Rondo when he had the ball at the three point line, right? Yeah. And he would make an occasional one, but Ben Simmons' three-point percentage is terrible. His free-throw percentage is terrible, and it's hard to be effective in the league at his size without shooting a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and, and he is effective. It's just like if you want to be the best player on a championship team, you have to be better than that. Yeah. Um, so, But those two are going to stick around. They're young. They're your building blocks. Jimmy Butler, unrestricted free agent. Does he stay? Tobias Harris, unrestricted free agent. Does he stay? JJ Redick, I think he's I think he's on a one year deal. Does he stay? So uh, what about Boban? Uh, Boban starring in a Bond film. Does he stay? Don't know. But what they don't have. So so if you want to resign Jimmy, you're probably gonna have to pay him a max contract. Probably because I think some some other team will. He's that really great two way. He's the, yeah. he's kind of poor man's Kawhi, but poor man's Kawhi is better than just about everybody else in the league. But yeah. he's that two way player that also plays really smart. So he's if you, a super I mean, if, valuable if you're piece. ranking, if you're ranking upcoming free agents, you've got Katie and Kawhi, depending on however you want to put them, one or two, and then Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, depending on what you value. You know, if you're looking for a point guard versus a wing, um, they're your top four. I, I don't think there's anyone. I mean, there's like Kemba Walker, which is then you go to the next tier down, right? Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, those types of players, and Boban. Okay. Um, so, Seven Sixers have a big offseason coming up, and you know they have to start thinking about they're going to have to pay Embiid, they're going to have to pay Simmons. Um, who do you want to put on big contracts right now, right? And how does that impact you going forward? Does Brett Brown stick around? Do they hire someone else? And can Embiid stay healthy? That's uh, a big deal. Yeah. Web Embiid. I stole that. That's, that's not a David original, but Web Embiid is a good one. Well, like Web MD. Whoever whoever coined it can kawaii about it. That was a lot of basketball, <laughs> coming in hot and sticking around hot for a while. Speaking of hot, it's hot in here. We're moving on to something we haven't done on the show for a while. I'm excited about it. You're excited about it. You didn't even know what it is yet because I sold it so well. This is Anthony's fantastic five news stories of the week. Number one, Anthony, what you got? Doctor finds spider building a nest inside man's ear. Ew. Uh, In China. Of course. A Chinese doctor. So a Chinese doctor in China. Yes. uh, Shared video of a patient who had an unusual case of ear discomfort. He found that inside this uh, patient's ear was a spider building a nest 
this was in the Yangshu Jiangsu province. No one knows what that is. The much heralded Jiangsu. Much heralded? <laughs> For what? Spiders. Having creepy spiders? And, um, you wouldn't believe this, but the surname of the patient, mm. Li. So that <laughs> narrows it down. Uh, so If you know any Li's in China... So patiently, he came to the hospital to complain of the, of the ear discomfort. They look inside. They find a spider. I love, I love this. They say that the, the doctor said that the spider was too small and too fast to be grabbed using tools. Uh, and so they, uh, they essentially uh, squirted water into his ear to flush it out. I think that's a bad call. <laughs> we almost had Chinese Spider-Man and this guy ruined it. Because clearly this spider is supernatural. Is there a video on there? What do you think about like live reacting to the video? Uh, okay. Of the all right. Oh, we got. Oh, an that's ad. all it's it. There's an ad. That's the. Why'd oh, you click on the I ad? Don't you don't click on the I ad. I don't want it. I don't, don't want it. Oh. See, I think we could have powered through that, but you clicked on the ad. Okay, next okay. story. All right, next story. Accused bank robber turned oblivious dad into getaway driver. All right. I saw this headline and I didn't know what the dad was. Was it like? A guy right, so, who was driving his toddlers so, around or what? No, no, a, a, a legit dad, well, okay? Yeah, well, a guy with toddlers isn't a legit... <laughs> he's not, no, he's he got an older son who who said he needed to cash a check at the bank. Sure. And asked his dad to drive him there. So dad drives the kid to the bank. Kid comes out a few minutes later, says, hey, can you drop me off at this you know place across town? This is in Lewiston, Maine. And, uh, and so Joseph Donald Tilton, uh, this... Uh, of Tilton Manor. Uh, sorry, that's the son's name. Keith Tilton dropped his son, Joseph Donald Tilton, uh, off uh, on the other side of town. And then, uh, so like later that day, uh, Keith drives past the bank and um, was stopped by police who were there uh, because they noticed that the car matched the description of the getaway car. And uh, police let him go because they uh, they determined that he didn't know what was going on when his son was inside the bank. And, you know, his story was, oh, I just dropped my son off to cash a check. I didn't know he was robbing the bank. Uh, but wouldn't that be always, like, your story? Like, oh, I didn't know he was robbing a bank. What happened? No way. <laughs> if he's like, oh, you didn't know? All right, carry on, sir. Right? Like, what Jedi mind trick did this guy do? <laughs> like, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi all the way. This is not the getaway driver you're looking for. This is not the getaway driver. So his son, uh, unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately for the legal system and society at large, is charged with uh, felony robbery. He stole $620. Now, is it worth it to go to jail for felony robbery for $620? We both worked at banks at one time. Yes. Bank robbery is the dumbest crime in the world. Like, the risk reward is not there. One time... On Halloween, the bank I worked at was robbed, a branch that I worked at uh, now. It was the year before on Halloween we okay. got robbed. Yeah. And the best part of the story is when they had to call like security and explain what happened. Uh, so the guy, <laughs> the security guy was like, did Spider-Man get robbed too? Because one of our bankers was in a Spider-Man costume for Halloween. <laughs> nice. And he happened to be behind the counter. And so many jokes about what did Spider-Man do? What did Spider-Man do? But anyway, mm. I felt safe because I knew if anyone tried to rob us, it's like, okay, here's your, here's your $10. <laughs> now go get thrown in federal prison. Lovely. All right, story number three. A nurse in London, Jessica Anderson, who works at the Royal London Hospital, uh, set out to break a Guinness World Record by, okay, running a marathon in the fastest time dressed as a nurse. All right, that is the Guinness World Record. Stop it, fastest Guinness. Fastest time running a marathon dressed as a nurse. Stop it, Guinness. The previous record was three hours... Eight minutes and 54 seconds. Just throw a nurse outfit on an Ethiopian and, and get this record. Three hours, eight minutes, 54 seconds. Jessica Anderson ran the marathon in three hours, 
8 minutes, 22 seconds. She beat it by 32 seconds. Like, that is precision marathon running, okay? But Guinness ruled that her record-breaking attempt did not count. Why? Because she was not properly dressed as a nurse. Get she out. was wearing her nurse scrubs when the rules clearly stated she needed to wear a nurse's hat and skirt. Like an old-timey nurse outfit. I have nothing to say to these Guinness people. Next story. Get, Guinness, out, get Guinness. out of my life with this garbage, Guinness. No, get, out, right. get out of my life. All right, next get story. Man holds 100-lit candles in his mouth for Guinness World Record. Man, Guinness is back. <laughs> Guinness right. is back. All right. So this guy in Idaho. We've actually, <laughs> Idaho. Ta- we've actually talked about him before. <gasps> his name's David guy? Rush. He's the guy who ate the corn kernels. That's right. With um, a toothpick, right? And he's got, he's got a bunch of other Guinness World Records. He set his 100th Guinness World Record. Out of boy with 100 candles. And he did it by holding 100 candles in his mouth, lighting them on fire, and keeping them there for 30 seconds. Get out of town. He broke the previous record, which was 41 candles set last year by Dinesh, Dinesh Shivnath. Uh, get that last name. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Abdayaya. Abdayaya? Up his what? <laughs> Where were those candles? Abdayaya. Uh, in Mumbai, India. Uh, so he beat, he beat the record by 59 candles. Wow. He more than doubled the previous record. You know what we should do? We should put links to all these stories on the blog. Maybe that can be your story this week. Holding 100 candles in your mouth, though. I mean, this guy, he, have you, if you've heard him lately, he's just like super arrogant about all of the Guinness World Records he has. He's got such a big mouth. 100 candles. How long have you been sitting on that one? About eight seconds. I believe you. I really uh, do, though. That was no shade. I really do believe him. <laughs> all right. Last story. And maybe my favorite. Uh, yep. Definitely my favorite. <laughs> Uh, okay, so... And I've read the story before, so there won't be the shock factor, yeah. but I'll have something to say. All right, so a, a lovely Florida couple, they were out for a drive at 3.15 in the morning. Uh, 3.15? Yes, 3.15 in the morning, and, uh, you know, as one does at 3.15 in the morning, because no one else is driving, they ran a stop sign, okay? They were pulled over... I must be a square, because I... <laughs> They were pulled over, and, uh, you know, the police officer asked, you know, what have you been doing? Why are you out at 3.15 in the morning? And they uh, they told the police officer that they were out trying to collect frogs and snakes, because what else do you do at 3.15 in the morning in Florida, right? Um, and so the, the... Sleep comes to mind, but whatever. <laughs> so the officer, the officer asked them uh, to show him what they had caught, like what wild, wildlife they had caught. So she opens the, the woman, a woman exits the vehicle, she opens a backpack, and reveals 42 three-striped mud turtles and one soft-shell turtle. Oh, that soft-shell turtle felt so alone. How would you feel? <laughs> yeah, if you're that mud you're looking around. Like, Are you all three-striped? <laughs> get, off, get off my shell, man. It's so soft. All right. Uh, like, but that's not all. Like, this story is already pretty great. Uh, so the sheriff, you know, being the, uh, the wise sheriff that he is, says, Is there anything else? Are there any other wildlife creatures? And so the woman um, pulls, <laughs> this is crazy, she pulls open her yoga pants, like the elastic band in her yoga pants, pulls it out, and pulls out an alligator. She produced an alligator from inside her yoga pants. Uh, 
So the authorities said that the turtle species and the alligators were regulated in the state of Florida, and so they were cited for possession of animals and violating bag limits for reptiles. Florida has some weird laws, man. You can only have a certain amount of turtles in a bag? <laughs> I guess they, so. They, okay, only four, and they need to be named Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, and Donatello. Yeah, so the, the turtles and the alligator, they were seized by deputies and released, but that is one traumatized alligator. The worst type of pants to hide an alligator in? I imagine would be yoga pants. Yeah. I don't know. But Florida, you keep being Florida because you're producing great content for, for all of us out here. Anthony? Yeah. The time is yours to take a victory lap uh, about something you said about the Robert Kraft yeah okay ring and then i'm gonna i'm gonna poop all over your team go <laughs> okay uh so real quick on on robert Kraft, owner of the patriots uh several weeks ago we talked about how he was arrested and charged with uh misdemeanor solicitation uh, essentially seeing a prostitute at a, a massage parlor right and um victory lap time victory lap what i said at the time was Tell not me. so fast that's right like they, they said they had video evidence should be smoking gun, case closed, right? You told he, would, he would take a plea deal. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's see if he fights this That's right. and tries to get the evidence thrown out. But what happened? Well, today, a judge in Florida ruled that the evidence is inadmissible. Because, and this is what I said at the time, you did say there this. are certain requirements for how you can collect evidence. Mm -hmm. Every state's different with their, their, uh, their collection laws. And... The officers in question here, the judge ruled, violated mm. Robert Kraft's Fourth Amendment rights, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the Fourth Amendment rights of other uh, people who were lawfully visiting the establishment. Yeah. And therefore, all of the evidence that was gathered mm -hmm. by law enforcement yeah. is thrown out. Ooh, you called it. And uh, so this is a victory lap for me and for Robert Kraft. <laughs> and uh, so... Now, now, law enforcement, they can they could appeal this decision. Uh, they can try and get the, the evidence readmitted. Um, but this severely, severely hampers their case. I wouldn't be surprised if, the, uh, if they decide just to, to let it go. I mean, it's going to take substantial resources to keep pursuing this. So see what they do. And we know Kraft has the cheese to keep a case going for years. So, so Anthony, I wanted to let, make sure you had a chance to take that victory lap. Yeah, thank you. I want to make sure you had the chance to take that victory lap because here comes this now. The Lakers are a dumpster fire that has somehow also been lit on fire. So it's like a, a fire in a dumpster, but then you've coated the, uh, the dumpster, like the metal container. You've okay. also doused that in some sort of flammable thing, and now the dumpster's yeah. on fire. So it's like a dumpster fire within a dumpster fire where the dumpster is actually on fire. Okay. So their guy was Ty Lue. That's who they wanted. That's probably who LeBron wanted. He had success with LeBron. He sure. knows how to put people around LeBron in schemes, around the, uh, LeBron to maximize his talent. What do they do? They mess it up, and you don't get um, Ty Lue. Okay? Uh, who's pulling the strings? Who's pulling the strings? Kurt Rambis. Somehow, Kurt Rambis has assumed power I within forgot, the Lakers organization. I forgot about him until he popped up mentioning that he's ruining everything in the Lakers front office. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was a front office guy with the Knicks. He ran into some issues there, and you can look that up on your own if you really want to. But he ran into some issues there. I thought that was the end of Kurt Rambis. Never was going to hear from him again. And all of a sudden, I hear he's working with the Lakers, and he's messing everything up. Mm -hmm. So, Lakers fan Anthony Montague, your take. All right. Initially... I was super upset. Just remember, we've been at this for over an hour. So yeah, just, I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be quick. Um, I was really upset at how this this played out so publicly. Like, it's not uncommon that a team will be interested in a coach and the coach will 
go somewhere else, right? In the case of Monty Williams, he had, you know, it, it's actually debatable whether or not an offer was extended to Monty Williams by the Lakers or if they were just kind of waiting and they offered him a three-year deal. I don't think they ex- intended that he would accept it, is what the report was, right? Just he, trying to put pressure on other coaching candidates, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but once t- once Monty Williams signed with Phoenix and got a five-year deal with them, the Lakers then offered Ty Lue a three-year deal, $18 million, $6 million a year. Great salary for a coach, but the years were short, right? Most coaches get a five-year deal. Um, Don't know why that's the magic number, but it's just kind of the market. It's what the market is, and if you get under it, you feel like there's some you're undervalued for whatever. Even if even if your, your yearly salary is higher than the rest of the league or most of the league for some reason, or you know, and I get it, you still you feel undervalued. So Lots of different reports of what's going on here, but the big thing is that like all this played out in the public. Like there were reports, oh, they offered him a deal. Looks like they're getting close to signing him. Then Tyloo rejects the deal. They walk away, and all of a sudden there's like this chaos within the Lakers organization. No one knows, knows who's calling the shots. You have the GM Rob Palinka, Magic step down. Palinka's there, but like he doesn't have any power somehow. Like. It says that that there was a report that Jeannie Buss, who's the owner, and Rob Polinka, who's the GM, wanted Ty Lue to be the coach, but somehow Kurt and Linda Rambis decided that he wasn't the right fit. And, like, who are Kurt and Linda Rambis? Well, Kurt Rambis played for the Lakers, obviously. He's been on the bench in previous years, uh, notably under Phil Jackson. Linda Rambis works in their front office. She's uh, in charge of, like, special operate, special projects. But she's been in basketball operations for, like, 40 years. Like, so, she, she, she's legit. Like, she knows what she's doing. But, but it's more on the operational side, not, not necessarily, like, player evaluation or anything like that not not so much to do with the actual on-court stuff it's right? like when lakers seal team six need to go and infiltrate <laughs> some location she exactly she's the special project exactly. operations okay got perfect it. yes I, I understand basketball but but somehow the rambi have have <laughs> the rambi have gathered this power and and i guess frank vogel was their their top choice frank vogel just got a three-year deal to coach the lakers a lot of a lot of Lakers fans are not excited about this hire. They say it's not the, uh, you know, in, in their words, not the sexy choice, like not the big name. And um, my question is, like, who would have been the big name? Like, what's the big name out there that the Lakers could have signed that would have got everyone excited? I don't think Tyloo was the big name. I think he's a name, right? He's a LeBron guy, or at least has a, a good working relationship with LeBron. I mean, he's a championship coach. He's a championship coach, sure. Um, that buys you something in the league, right? Yeah, but like once once he was gone, right? Like who else were you going to get? There are no other slam dunk options, right? right. Everyone else who would be a slam dunk already has a job, right? And and Vogel, he didn't have a great year. He didn't have a good time in, in Orlando. Yeah, I don't completely fault him. They had a change in ownership. He knew kind of his days were numbered. It's a super young team. I know Steve Clifford took him to the playoffs the next year, but that's kind of what happens with young teams is as they age and they get better, like more time in the league, you're better. But he has have a proven track record in Indiana. He took the Pacers to at least two Eastern Conference Finals. They played the Heat three years in a row, kind of similar to the Rockets Warriors. The Pacers were that in multiple years to the Heat. The Pacers took the Heat to six games twice and seven games once. And that was with young, much younger uh, 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 playoff P, Paul George, 
uh, an old David West, a uh, slow Roy Hibbard. And, uh, don't, don't mess with David. But Roy Hibbard gave the heat fits. Yeah, no, no, he did. But he was uh, kind of a one-trick pony, right? D- defense, a rim stopper, right? Rim protector. Uh, stop that rim. Stop it, rim. No rim. So, uh, no. Curry's the rim stopper, right? Or gets oh, stopped by the rim. Oh. Okay. Oh. Anyway, so, so Vogel, I think, you know, he's a great defensive coach. His teams always rate really well defensively. Not mm. great offensively. Uh, I mean, he he's, his offensive principles are okay. They're better than Luke Walton's. If you look at, like, from an analytic standpoint, he grades out better than Luke Walton does. Walton. Um, and so I think by most measures, he's probably an upgrade over Luke Walton. And at least LeBron has history with him playing against him. Maybe there's some respect there because his teams always gave the heat fits. Right. I think, and if I'm looking to make a great team in the NBA and I already have LeBron who's going to be instant offense basically why not shore up the defense you also have one of the best young perimeter defenders in basketball and Lonzo Ball Mm -hmm. who still shoots ugly but whatever (laughs) his defense is great and you can really maximize that with good scheming and with good development with Frank Vogel I get that how do you feel about the Lakers getting Jason Kidd yeah so 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 one of the stipulations of hiring Frank Vogel is that he would add Jason Kidd to his bench and that one of Kidd's primary responsibilities would be to mentor Lonzo Ball. Because they feel like Lonzo's game is similar to Jason Kidd's. And they have the same haircut as his dad, right? Jason Kidd and Lon- <coughs> uh, LeVar Ball have the same haircut. Does that okay. make sense? Okay, yes. I'm starting to see why this is all yeah. connecting. Uh, and and while that may make sense from a basketball standpoint... And a haircut perspective. Sure. Um, there are some... I'm uneasy about this hire. I'm on record saying, um, so for those who don't know, Kid has a very checkered past. He was um, admitted to domestic violence back in like 2001 and uh, possibly uh, again sometime over the next few years before divorcing his, his wife in like 2006. He has a DUI a few years ago. Uh, so he's got, you know, a past of not making good decisions. He also left the Bucks, and now suddenly they're the best team in the league. Or, or record-wise. Yeah, and, and he had a decent record with the Bucks, and it was Giannis on, like, you know, in his first few years in the league. So, yeah, of course we're going to go on that. But I was just trying to make a point. But, yeah. It, I was it, helping you. You realize that, right? Yeah. Yes. But then you undercut me. Yes. But, um... Bit the head not feeding you, man. <laughs> and so, I'm on record, like, talking about Osuna and Chapman in, in baseball, right? About teams hiring, uh, giving jobs to players that have just come off you know, legal issues, especially domestic violence stuff. I don't think there's any place for it anywhere. That's not a controversial position. I think most people would agree. We should not have people who engage in domestic violence employed in the league. What I've also said, and I think I've been consistent about, is that that doesn't mean they shouldn't have second chances. And I think, you know, Jason Kidd, while he may have had altercations in the past, completely his fault and at the time should have been suspended. I don't know what his punishment was then. He was still playing. I'm not sure if he was suspended by the league or not. Um, you know, It's not my call, but maybe the Lakers front office says, well, enough time has passed without any type of incident. We've interviewed him. We know him. LeBron knows him. He's changed his ways. He's a different guy now. I don't know. If they determined all that and they in good conscience say, He's a different guy. He's not that guy anymore, and he can help this team. Okay, I get it. It's still uneasy for me. Like, I don't know how much time is the right time to be away, but I just don't like that type of person associated with the teams I root for. 
it, it's hard to root for someone like that. And second chances are great. What about third chances and fourth chances and yeah. fifth chances? Like, at what point do you draw the line? It's just un- it's unfortunate to me that something that would ruin someone else's career is not affecting so well, not ending someone's maybe just a speed bump in someone else's career. Yeah. Right? And granted, and like, granted, why... like the the most egregious offense that we know of was like eighteen years ago. Yeah. So, so and, and not to minimize it at all, but right. But no one wants to be judged off of their worst moment. I know yeah. I don't. Right. Uh, so again, I'm not ecstatic about kid. I would have rather maybe it was something, you know, less public, like we'll, we'll hire you to, to coach him on the side, like some kind of, I don't know, you know, players always do that. Well, they'll work out with, with former players and, and learn from them. But like, you know, an official role within the Lakers, I'm not, not super excited about that. I'm really not excited about the prospect that he's like next in line for the job. Right, mm-hmm. you hear this a lot. That you know, Stephen A. was saying in two years, Jason Kidd's going to be the head coach. Uh, he would be the head coach now, except for his past, is what he said. Right, and that is, I mean, I hope that's not the decision. Especially like you have the most prominent female owner in sports, Jeannie Buss, right, who hires Jason Kidd. It's not right? a great look. It's not a great look to have someone on your coaching staff, first of all, who has a history of domestic violence. It's really not a good look to have that person be your head coach. And one of the faces of your franchise. And so if that's what happens, I think it's just a bad move. Um, will I stop rooting for the Lakers? No, but I don't have to root for Kid, And I won't. Like, you know. I, and hopefully he's changed. I know he's got some foundations. And he does supposedly, you know, good work off the court. I don't know. I don't know him personally. I hope he's changed. So. Well, that was supposed to be a funny segment where I got to poop all over the Lakers <laughs> in their situation, and it took a dark turn. But, but here's the thing with the Lakers. Does any of this matter? Does anything that's happened over the last 30 days from when Magic Johnson stepped down to today, or even going back the last nine months from when they signed the knuckleheads in the offseason, after, mm-hmm. everything, after, everything after they signed LeBron James has been not great. Right, they signed some questionable free agents. Right in the the playmaking, you know, what do they call them? The meme team, right? Um, and Magic Johnson steps down. They traded away some young players that they didn't have to during the season. Um, so everything's been kind of like a misstep after misstep this se- this season, uh, culminating in this you know kind of embarrassing dumpster fire ser- search for for a head coach. They've got a head coach now. He's, you know, at least a respectable head coach. We have to, like, as Lakers fans, we have to give him a chance. Like, yeah. you can't, you can't, uh, he's already being pilloried online, but, like, he hasn't done anything yet as a Lakers head coach. Let's right. see what he does. This will be potentially the most talented team he's coached. So, you know, like we were saying earlier, some coaches excel with talent. Some excel with young players. Like, let's see what type of coach Vogel is. Um but ultimately, does anything really that's happened over the last year, with the exception of signing LeBron James, actually matter? And I will say, depending on how July turns out, maybe not. It's all about free agency now. Yeah. If the Lakers can bring in high-quality free agents that will work playing with LeBron, it doesn't matter who's on the bench. It doesn't matter who's on the, in the, on the bench. It doesn't matter who's in the front office. If you have the talent on the floor, um, I mean, that's, that's, talent overcomes everything in the NBA. So, I guess my message today is the same as Aaron Rodgers was a few years ago. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. This has been the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Tune in weekly for sports talk and other stuff.